Hello and welcome to the Christ Community Church podcast, where we are diving deeper into the sermon from Sunday, April 23rd. It was part of our Real Relationship series talking about male and female done by our friend Blake here. By the way, I am Ryan Balby and this is Blake Cox. Yes. And Blake, you got the opportunity to share what might be the most well, everyone has its own challenges, but it is certainly a, a hot topic in our culture today, uh, talking about male and female and how do we interact together. So let me just start by asking you this. Is it possible for male and female to get along? <laughs> no. Okay, great. Now, now that we have that covered, we can finish the podcast by talking about something else because it's just not possible. Yeah, no. We'll just move on. No, I mean, of, of course, that, that's God's heart for both of us. I mean, he made it very clear uh, in the beginning. Uh, he made man. He said, man, you're not complete. You need an equal. You need someone to do life with so that both of you together can uh, just show the fullness of God's glory or what we believe here on earth. So, uh, men and women, they need each other, and we need each other to thrive individually and corporately. Yeah, let's let's take this from a, a broader perspective first. As we you you mentioned last week, we talked about you know I, I didn't use the specific language, but the imago dei, the image of God in in individuals. Can you just kind of talk a little bit about you know in terms of relationships, male and female need each other, but also people need one another. So how does this kind of like, how, how did that kind of stir your heart as we started in this relationship series with this idea of, hey, focus on the Imago day of just another person? Yeah, well, I mean, we've talked about it in the past as well, but uh, we are image bearers. And that's what Imago day means, is being an image bearer of God. And that was, uh, again, that was torn apart the moment that we rebelled against God. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is because of him, we get to experience and live into the Imago Dei yet again. Whereas for so long, it just, it was, it was gone. And so all, and what I mean by that, and I need to uh, explain that a little bit more because uh, uh, how we've said it in the past, we've, uh, everyone is made in the image of God, but not everyone is living into the image of God. I'll say it that yeah, way. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, uh, whereas followers of Jesus, we are not only made in the image of God, but we're living into it and living it out and going into the world and, uh, just fully putting on the Imago Dei and sharing the good news with others. So I, I think I just went into this with that sort of heart of, Hey, we need to remember that we're image bearers. It's, it's a big part of what it means to have real relationships. We first need to know that we bear this image and and we're called to love one another and do life together. Yeah, and so it does it does go back to what we were talking about last week or when Jesus mentioned the golden rule of of do unto others as you would have them do unto you, or or you think of the great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. That's going to be true again, and this was mentioned last week, true of every person we come in contact with. Um, but obviously there are there are issues when it comes to different distinctions because what we do is we we stop focusing on the image of God in people and and I like what you said in in the Genesis story like you you mentioned this at the beginning that it, it says you know was looking for someone who was was like him and 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 someone who was similar actually in your message you even said um, you know the 
uh, I forget, I, like the, the, skies the fish, had, fish had the sea yeah. or the sea had the fish or whatever. Yeah, skies had the birds. Um, I, I, I like that. And then, you know, but the man had no one that was, was like him. And, and so we need that. And so we need to see that in one another. But it, it's so much easier to focus on what's physically right in front of us, what separates us. Um, is, is there anything more, I mean, that you want to speak into that? Like, why, why do we, is it just that it's simple, like it's just right there in front of us? I mean, we, we so, are so quick to look at what separates rather than what unites seeing the image of God in people. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we live in a culture today that is, uh, we're trying to figure out who we are as individuals. And like this is this is the greatest example of figuring out who we are as individuals. But just just to be clear, if you're listening on the podcast, he's holding up the Bible. Yeah. So just so, just so you know, not everyone uh, not everyone's watching on video. That's so right. you know, just just to make sure. But I don't know. Like you look out in the world today, and uh, just this idea where people are going more and more towards I want to know what it means to love myself and figure out who I am. And uh, I just think that is, that's a means to an end. Like there is no one will, that will ever fully get to that point unless you're in Christ. Mm. And even then, when, when you're in Christ, we still aren't, uh, like 1 Corinthians 13 says, you see in part. Like we're, we're seeing just a partial of the reality of what will uh, soon take place. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question that you were yeah, getting at. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't really ask you a question. I was trying, <laughs> I was trying to set it up, and I, I messed up my my thought process there. But I, I'm glad you mentioned that because as Christians, we are called to a higher standard, or maybe we're called to just the standard. But we should be at a higher standard for ourselves. But it's not like in the church we get this right all the time. As a matter, of, I mean, there are there are significant issues, especially when it comes to. Uh, like gender issues, gender, gender, just how we view one another um, in terms of just in the church as well. Mm-hmm. So what what is it that, how do we fix this? <laughs> just just solve all the world's problems, Blake. Can you just do that for me? Uh, Jesus, that's, Great. that's how we fix it. We, uh, we need to remember that he modeled uh, perfect respect. He modeled it well. And... Um, and there's no greater example than to look at the life of Jesus if we're going to have uh, real relationships with one another and the opposite gender. There's so much that you can get into this. Like there's, uh, I mean, again, we live in a world where there's gender confusion going on. People trying to figure out what that means. And uh, like I mentioned yesterday, that's a whole sermon series in itself. And I think it'd be good to speak on that at one point. It's harder, but necessary, but uh, we as a church need to remember God's design is man and woman. Mm -hmm. That is God's design. And so with that, knowing that truth, how do we live into, okay, how can we respect the opposite sex to the best of our ability? And it's just hard because it's it's becoming more and more challenging um, to figure out what that means. I mean, I spoke on boundaries yesterday as well. What does that look like with coworkers of the opposite sex? What does that look like with um, friends of the opposite sex, uh, with non-believers? Like, how do we, as followers of Jesus, uh, in a in a world that we are living in today, uh, have a mutual respect and love the opposite sex to the best of our ability? It's it's challenging. 
we're living in a very challenging time to where I, I mentioned it a couple of times yesterday, but you can get canceled for anything nowadays. It's true. You really can. Yeah. And, and so it's important to remember that this is going to be challenging. This is going to take work as do any relationships. And we have to constantly be going to the word. And, you know, that's exactly what you were just saying, like going to the word of God and exploring that. How does how does God view male and female? And, you know, you, you mentioned this, there's uniqueness, but there's also unity. Uh, you know, the first thing Adam noticed was was similarity. And yet it says male and female. So there's distinction there as well. And so we need to be able to see things through God's perspective. It's going to take a lot of prayer. It's going to take, you know, listening to the Spirit and trusting His guidance. Um, and and we're going to fail. We're going to come up short. But we need to get better as a church. So you you mentioned just in general, and you just said this: men and women need mutual respect to have a real relationships. Mm-hmm. And and I love that you you kind of already started teasing this out. But you mentioned a few different things. Two of them were basically you went back to the beginning and looked at what things looked like at the beginning and said, hey, what does this look like? How do we kind of get back to that? Because you even said, uh, you know, God, when he was creating, said it's good, good, good. So the first thing was it's not good for man to be alone, mm-hmm. creates male and female, essentially gets to the point where it's very good with male and female being there and together. Um and then you also went to went to Christ. So I'm setting up two different kind of things, but maybe expand on those ideas of when we look at the beginning and the Genesis account, the creation account, and we look at Christ and the way he lived this out. And, you know, you use one of probably many examples of how Jesus interacted with another woman. Can you just give, uh, you know, a, a, a little bit more into those kind of ideas of how do those help us demonstrate mutual respect to each other and know how to treat one another? Yeah, well, uh, again, in the beginning, we we recognize and we see that there was no shame. And so we have to assume if there is no shame, there's no room for disrespect. They were, Adam and Eve were in perfect unity with each other and with God. There was no room for separation. There was no room for critique. And it wasn't until sin entered in that they started to notice each other's um, uh, uh Flaws. Flaws. Yeah, I don't want to say differences because differences are good, but flaws. They noticed each other's flaws, and you you see it because Adam realized in Genesis 3, he's like, I'm naked. And which has always gotten me thinking, like, why, uh, and maybe this is something you can answer, but like, why is it that nakedness was equated with shame at that point? Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think when, you know, if you think of the idea of being unclothed or like everything is exposed, like you, you see every piece of the person and you so you see just from a physical standpoint, you see every flaw, you see every failure, you see ev- like e- everything. It's all it's all there. It's all exposed to you. Yeah. And so a lot of people, you know, they they cover up like if if, you know, it gets to summertime and I'm feeling a little heavy, I might keep a shirt on the whole summer, right? Um, like if I'm, if I don't have my six pack abs by summertime, like I want to maybe keep things hidden because I'm like, oh, you know, like I just, I, I don't have it. So I want to, I want to stay like covered so you can't see that, that flaw. Yeah. So I think in that way, you know, you're suddenly realizing, oh, I do have flaws. I do have failures and someone else is going to see that. And what you're doing is you're interpreting they're going to judge me for this. They're going to see me negatively because I see this negative thing about myself. And so it's it's that idea really, I mean, covering up can be seen in physical terms, but it can also be seen in like emotional or, you know, mental yeah. terms and like just of like, hey, I'm, I'm covering up 
the flaws that I don't want you to see. And, and we do that, right? We hide certain pieces of ourselves from people um, when we don't feel comfortable around others. And so I think that was the idea, as you said, like there was no shame early on. And so they were, they were free to not worry about what the other person was thinking. And, and then all of a sudden when sin entered, they were seeing their own issues. And so, you know, there's probably that individual, like, oh, I'm not perfect. Oh, yeah. look, look, like I'm gross. I'm whatever, you know, I'm, I'm this, I'm that, like all the negative self-talk that we do in today's world. Uh, but then immediately you're looking at the other person and saying, oh, wait, they're thinking the same things about me. Yeah. And they're seeing all these things. And I don't want them to see the, you know, I don't want them to see me exposed like this. And so, um, I, you know, I think that's part of where, where that, that goes to. So, and how devastating of a moment would that have been? Like, uh, I, I just can imagine that moment where the Lord's like, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And all of a sudden they're eating from it. And out of nowhere, they just gain this knowledge and they're like, wait, this isn't right. I'm feeling ashamed. This is a new emotion that I've never experienced. Like, what is going on right now? And and then just seeing how they hid from God and they're trying to hide uh, their their nakedness. And, and then it goes on to uh, them just being separated, having kids that kill each other. And like, <laughs> yeah, it gets really dark. But <laughs> it's dark so quick. But just like at the beginning, like what? I don't know. Like I have so many questions. Like what led them? Why in the world would you trade perfection and peace with God Almighty and just and, and trade it for? They were tempted to think they could have more. They were tempted to think that their way wild. on their own is better than God's. And in our relationships, we we do this all the time, right? The way that we treat others, yeah. the way that we see others, and 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 you kind of mentioned this. I was going to go to this towards the end, but I'll, I was getting I'll, off track there. I'll so set it, no, you're good. Thanks for bringing I'll, it back. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll set it up. I'll set it up for for this. And, you know, a lot of relationship talk is is centered around general ideas of our understanding of God and who He is and our relationship with Him. So, um, but you even mentioned like we need to see the image of God in one another, mm-hmm. and, and there's some some flaws that we can get into, right? Like males can look at females, and they, and many, you know a long time in culture have been like, okay, women are subservient. Um, they are here to meet my needs. They are physical objects. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that becomes part of the image that we need to get away from. We need to make sure we're not looking at them in that direction, but we're looking at them as sisters in Christ and seeing the beauty and the honor and the love um, that exists in them. And then on the other side, like females can look at men as domineering uh, morons. I don't remember what word you specifically use. Brainless narcissists. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I heard, I heard one person, you know, say like, hey, the the most common, like the, the longest running TV show of all time yeah. is The Simpsons. And, you know, Homer Simpson is like the idea of what people will often portray as a TV dad, like just this, this, yeah, brainless <laughs> narcissist. I don't know if he's a narcissist, but, you know, like whatever. He's a moron. And so we need to, yeah. And so, so for women, it needs to not be like, Hey, you're more of a chore and you're more work, whatever, like and 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 you're here. But they need to see men as brothers in Christ and and see, you know, just the honor and the value that that men hold in that as well. Um, how how like you mentioned the beginning, and so I think if we go to the beginning, how how does let's let's go back to what I had asked just a minute ago. Like, how does Jesus' interactions with with women specifically? maybe give us a, um, a model that we can follow to get better at this as well. Oh man, I, well, if you do the studying, if you do the work, you'd realize how significant these moments are that Jesus has with other women. Um, I mean, the simple fact that he has, uh, it's in, uh, Luke chapter, 
ooh, six or eight, I'm, I'm blanking, but it, it, it says that many women followed Jesus and not just followed him, but supported him financially. Uh, culturally, this was, uh, this was so out of pocket. Like this should not have been happening in the cultures in the world's eyes. So Jesus meeting these women where they were at in their circumstances, in their sin, in their lives, was uh, it was groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was something historically that has never been done before. And Jesus is the first person to give women a voice. I remember uh, having a uh, a professor who was not a Christian trying to say that uh, that same argument that we're seeing a lot today where women are less than men, these are the biblical uh, arguments for that. And first of all, you have to know the context of everything taking place in those moments of, um, of women being portrayed as less than men. But then also, uh, he wasn't witnessing or viewing the life of Jesus at all. Because if you know the culture of that time, you you would know that women didn't have a voice. I didn't say this in the sermon because it, it would have, uh, I feel like, gotten a lot of people hung up. But I'll say it here. Uh, a lot of the Jewish rabbis, they they would they would say that talking to a woman, even their own wife, was at best a waste of time. At best, a waste of time. Some Jewish rabbis even went to the point of saying talking to a woman was a deviation of the study of the Torah. In other words, they, they would say that talking to a woman was almost as bad as going to hell. Some Jewish rabbis believe this. Uh, they, they went on to even say that uh, teaching the Torah to your daughter was just as bad as selling, uh, selling them into prostitution. And so I didn't say that yesterday because I know many people would have been probably caught up on that moment, mm-hmm. but if, it's worth saying now. Uh, but it, why I say that is because it really puts into perspective the, what Jesus did. Jesus was considered a rabbi. He was a Jewish rabbi, and he went completely countercultural and gave women a voice for the first time. Yeah, and he consistently does this. I mean, you mentioned the story of the woman at the well in John 4, and you see that he has this interaction. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why he shouldn't be, why in in terms of like societal norms, he shouldn't be having this conversation. She was a Samaritan. uh, She had a lot of sin in her life. The disciples didn't know that, but when, when he shows up and he's talking to, maybe they knew she was a Samaritan, a Samaritan woman, they were shocked. And part of that would have just been that he's having a normal conversation with a woman, which sounded so countercultural, but again, Jesus is saying, Hey, I'm, I'm not here to blend in with your culture. Hmm. And, and we don't, we are not called to blend in with the culture. We always need to hold up scripture and view everything through the lens of scripture. And when we look at the way Jesus interacted with women or women's stories, really from the beginning of creation, and, and you see, um, just the way God values women and men. Uh, but you know, it's easier to see it, it's the, the Bible has been more used to push down women than it has been used to push down men. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's more of a, a new cultural thing. But, um, but when, you, when you hold it up, you see that, that both genders have great value in God's eyes, that both are made in the image of God, and that we need to see that image in, in one another. And that's certainly what Jesus did for um, the woman at the well, for 
the, some of his followers. Um, you know, we, we see this consistently that Jesus treats women with great love and respect, not treating them as objects, not demeaning them, not making fun of them, not having, you know, coarse joking about them. Um, but he treats them with a level of, of friendship and respect and love that is healthy and appropriate. Uh, and that's what we need more of between the genders. And, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing a shift now that I think is trying to overcorrect itself from a male dominant society. Yeah. And, and now we're going the other way. And so that's not, that's not the, that's not what we're supposed to do. The, the, the idea is not to now oppress men so right. that, that like, okay, well sh- clearly we should let women be, um, you know, the oppressors now it's no, like, let's see the image of God in, in, in both, both people. Yeah. I mean, we've, uh, it's always been an eye for an eye though. Like you've been through this, uh, or excuse me, you allowed me to go through this. Now you have to go through this. Sure. And so that, that's the world. That's sin. And so, um, but we as the church have to rise above that. Yep. We can't allow the world to influence us. Like I said yesterday, we have to always be the ones to influence the world. So I think one point to that as well, that's why it always like, it always uh, gets me thinking about hardcore feminists uh, who hate Jesus. Mm. Like if they truly knew what Jesus did, like it, it, it just blows my mind how, and, and that goes for both sides. Like, but uh, I, I've seen videos of just uh, militant feminism and and whatnot of people just bashing the Christian faith, and it's like, dude, Jesus was the one who like gave you a voice and like showed you your intrinsic value. So that that's just something I always like. <laughs> yeah, just because we've gotten it wrong doesn't mean Christ got it wrong. Exactly. So we need we need to look to him for uh, for correction. I, I do want to mention this, and then I want to I want to focus on your last point here, and we'll we'll kind of wrap up with that. Um, there are two Christian views uh, that exist out there. Both have 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 great people on these sides, men and women that are on both of these sides um, that that go to Scripture. Remember, we're not interpreting the. Uh, God's ways through the culture, but looking at the lens of scripture. And so there's extremes on both sides of this, but complementarian and egalitarian, again, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about this, but a uh, an egalitarian would say that men and women are equal. Actually, both sides would say that men and women are equal. Egalitarians would say that that men and women, they have the same roles and, and everything is the same. A complementarian would say men and women are created equal, but complement one another with, with different and unique roles. So Typically, most complementarians are going to agree that like men would be the head of the household and men are called to lead in that way. Um, and then also complementarians tend to lean towards the role of a senior pastor and elder would go towards males. And so I'm just telling you this, that, they, that if you want to explore the scriptures and go into why each side believes that, um, spend some time doing that. But also just understand that good complementarians and egalitarians believe that we can actually have unity with one another as long as it doesn't go to extremes. And you might feel like one of those views is extreme. Just make sure you're interpreting it through the text, not through our own personal feelings. Yeah. So let me, let me just um, uh, finish with this, Blake. You said at the end, you said, our identity in Christ overpowers everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just speak into that for a couple minutes here? Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, we need to understand who we're identified by. Like that's, as a, a Christian, we are, we're a follower of Jesus. And I really wanted to make it clear yesterday in, in Galatians 3, where Paul says, like, there's neither 
uh, slave nor free. There is no Jew nor Gentile. There's no male and female. I want to make it clear that he wasn't saying that it doesn't matter. He's He would very much argue for gender and say gender is very important. So I didn't want anyone hearing me saying, oh, Blake, Blake saying gender doesn't matter. I it's can, not a thing, yeah. I can, yeah. I can just identify as whatever I want or whoever I want and um, still be a Christian at the same time. Um, so the Apostle Paul is, uh, he would argue against that and he'd say, no, gender does matter. Um, yeah, it's actually just, it's it's the opposite of of what you you know you, you were just telling people that they might be arguing against you that that it's saying our highest identity is in Christ that right. our identifier is not primarily based on our our gender or any of these other distinctions it's based on Christ that's right that's right um, yeah so uh, with that I think that should that should change how we interact with one another. I, I wanted to focus more on not necessarily us as a church. I think the first two points were, were geared for the church, but the last point was more so geared for, okay, how do we take this outside of the four walls? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we interact with those who are non-believers or co-workers of the opposite sex? That's the focus here, of the opposite sex. Uh, if we are identified uh, as Christians, if we if our identity is in Him, that should change our behavior towards the opposite sex uh, dramatically, and uh, and we just have to rise above that and um, and and not yeah just tarnish the name of Christ. So that that's kind of the direction I was going with that last point of you know it, what kind of boundaries do you place up what. How do you how do you treat others outside of the church of the opposite sex? Are are you because I, I would imagine we have people who are uh, business owners in here and and whatnot. Do you treat them with the utmost respect mm-hmm. and and whatnot? So that's that's kind of where I was going with that. But I think it, it, it's so important for us to remember that we are first in Christ mm-hmm. and we are one as a church, and that oneness as brothers and sisters. That's something I wanted to hone in as well. Like we are brothers and sisters. The, the scriptures make that so clear that uh, if you are in Christ, you're your, uh, we have brothers, we have sisters, we have mothers, we have fathers in Christ. And so um, our identity is extremely important. Yeah, well, Blake, thank you so much for sharing on Sunday and sharing with us today as well. Um, hopefully you will join us next Sunday. If you are coming to Christ Community Church, we only have two services next Sunday. We will be at 9 and 1045 celebrating our youth mission trip. Uh, but we're going to be talking about generations, which sounds like an easier conversation. But honestly, how do older treat younger? How do younger treat older? How do we all get along? Yeah. It is something that still is, is very missed. So we're going to be diving into that conversation on Sunday. And I'm very excited for that. So join us then. We'll see you guys.